Let me read just one verse of Scripture for you, and as you can see on the screen, this is our third week in a sermon series called The Priority of Love. Two weeks ago, we looked at loving God first. Last week, we looked at loving truth, and today, we're going to look at loving God's house. Next week, I'll give you a little heads up. We're going to be looking at loving God's mission. Uh, as I mentioned, the Urshan Missions Club will be with us, and so while I, I always love to preach on his mission, I thought it was advantageous to put those two things together next week, and then uh, also... Uh, Part of that service, if you don't like my singing, which I would rather not be leading worship, uh, you don't have to hear me sing next week because the Urshan Missions Club is going to be taking care of all the music. Anthony's going to be with them uh, playing the piano. We'll have some other musicians that they'll have with them as well. So we're looking forward to a great time uh, next week. Psalm 122, verse 1, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. It's short enough. Why don't we read that together? I don't think I've ever had you do that. Let's read it all together. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And I'm so thankful that all of you are here. And if you're going to help me preach, why don't you give the Lord a hand clap of praise as you're seated today. You may be seated. There are places that I like to visit occasionally, but have no desire to live there. I've been to New York City a couple of times, and it's one of the only places I've ever been where you could have a traffic jam at 2 o'clock in the morning, and you're sitting in rush, what is, for us, worse than rush hour traffic, and it's in the middle of the night. It's a fun place to visit, but it's not a place that I want to live. Watching a football game, if you've ever been to a, a football game, been to a Chiefs game, or whatever your favorite team is, my uncle used to take me to the Superdome in New Orleans, and uh, I would watch the, the Saints play, and I've been to a few games at Arrowhead years ago, and while it was fun being there, I would much rather not be there during a football game and watch it from the comfort of a recliner or somewhere else. It's just, in my opinion, it's a better experience. Now, it is a an overall big experience, and it's something you can say that you've done, but a friend of mine, I was doing a Bible study with him and on Friday, and he was talking about he has season tickets, and they're up high, and he talk, talks about sitting there in the cold, when, watching the Chiefs play with blankets over you and snow covering you and all shivering, and it's just like, that just doesn't sound like fun. Give me a nice warm weather game, and I can go and say, I've been there, done that, but I'd rather be watching a game from my house. It's just a for me, a much better experience. But, but what about church? People sometimes treat church as though it is an event, and it's just something, well, I've been there, I've done that, I don't need to do that. But I would tell you that church is not like watching an event. And when COVID hit and, and almost every church around the nation went to online only, it became easy for people to treat it like they would a football game and to sit in their living room in their pajamas and eat cereal or whatever and just watch church. But church is more than an event. I would tell you this, that church is, first of all, it is the people of God, the people that are born again, that are filled with His Spirit. They are the church. 
We are the church. When Jesus said he would build his church, he's not talking about building a building. He's talking about a group of people who are carrying his name. And that is what the church is. But it is also a building. This is actually a warehouse that we have church at. Because church is now the place when when you say, I'm going to church today, you who are the church are saying, I'm going to a building, I'm going to a place that we call the church, but it's only called the church because the people of God gather there. So if and when we move out of this space, this will no longer be the church. It will no longer be a church, it will just be a warehouse. But it is for now, it is a building, the church is a building, and, and also church is an activity. Depending on how you were raised and, and what your, your level of, of church involvement has been, that we are going to church and you do church. And when you really have a good service and the tradition in which I was brought up in, say, man, we had church today. That it was an exciting activity where we did the things that these people of God or the church do at the house of God. There is an activity that we do, but ultimately God's house is, it's not just this building. It is wherever God's people gather together to worship Him. So it can be at a house, a literal house. It can be at a restaurant when you gather together. It can be at a school, which is where we started. That wherever God's people, the church, gather together to do church and to worship Him, that is God's house. Today I'm going to be preaching about loving God's house, and it is more than just loving this place, but it is partly loving this place. And if I could back up and and tell you this, that in the Old Testament, God said that he was going to establish a place where he would put his name. It is Jerusalem, and it is also, it was the tabernacle, and it was the temple where God's presence was expected to be and when the old testament priests would go in and offer sacrifice and then they would go into the holy of holies where the ark of the covenant is that the presence of god would come down it was called god's house because god was present there so god has always had this idea uh since the old testament at least of having a place that was his abode now i understand and it is what makes us the church and the people of god is that god is that we are individually temples of the Holy Spirit. That when when we are born again, God moves in and now we are His temple. But we are also His temple corporately. But this is also a sacred place because we come to worship God and to do the things of God. I'm going to give you six reasons or six benefits on why you and I need to come to the house of God and why we should love His house. And I, let me say this, I'm thankful that all of you are here, and so since you're here, this is not a chastisement, this is just a, this is why you're here today. But this is why we should be here all the time, the six things that I am going to give you, and it is not an exhaustive list, but it is at least these six reasons. The first is this, is that God's presence is experienced. You can experience God's presence anywhere. You can experience God's presence at home in your prayer closet, as it were. You can can experience God's presence on the job. You can experience God's presence at school. There is no limit to where you can experience God's presence. 
But there is an expectation that when we gather together as God's people, that His presence is with us. That His presence comes with us. The Bible says that where two or three are gathered together in His name, there He is in the midst of them. And the reality is is that a lot of times that passage is, is used just for when the crowd is really small, that if you've got 500 people and 200 show up, well, we're two or three. But it is this, it is the fact that God's people are gathered together in His name to worship Him, that His presence is in their midst. And when we come together to church, that we should expect God's presence to be here. The Bible says that God is enthroned on the praises of His people. So when we praise God, His presence should be here. That we should experience Him, we should feel Him. We should expect Him to be moving among us. I mentioned that individually we are the temple, but corporately we are the temple. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it talks about that corporate idea of that we are combined, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so when we gather together, if we are corporately the temple of the Holy Spirit, where is God? He is residing in His temple, so His presence should be here. We should expect Him to be here. Secondly is this, that God's Word is proclaimed. I'm going to read a number of verses here later, and, and if you have not gotten the church app, you can get that later. I did not, we didn't have time for me to walk through that process today, but you can also look up these notes online which have all of the verses listed. But God's Word is proclaimed. The preaching and the teaching of the Word of God is at the core of what it means to be the church. But see, we can, we can gather together at Pizza Hut as people who are people of God, but if we're gathering together just to eat pizza and to have fellowship, that's great, but it's not church. It's not God's house. It's not what we are uh, expected to do as the body of Christ, but when we gather together in this place or in a place like this that God's Word is proclaimed preaching and teaching of the church goes forth it is the proclamation of his word it is core to what it means to be the church and the bible tells us that god's word is quick and powerful or living and powerful sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart that god's word when it is proclaimed it affects our hearts and lives that when god's word goes forth then we that are the body of Christ, we are, we are impacted by His Word. It's not just anyone really that can proclaim the Word. In fact, the Bible tells us and cautions us in James chapter 3, it says, My brethren, be not many teachers, knowing that you shall receive the greater condemnation. That God calls individuals to proclaim His Word it doesn't make those individuals better. It doesn't make them worse. It just makes them, that is what God has gifted them to do, is to proclaim His Word. You can see the verses that I have about what it means to be a bishop or what it means to be an overseer in the church, but people that are going to proclaim the Word like I am doing today, the Bible says, the reason it says, my brethren, be not many teachers, is because we're held to a higher standard, that if I get the Word of God wrong, guess what? I'm judged by preaching erroneous doctrine or whatever I say that is not true about the Word, then I have this greater condemnation. 
But we need preachers and we need pastors. We need people in our life that are overseers. Hebrews chapter 10, verse, or 13, verse 17 says, Obey those who have rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls. As those who must give account, let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. I said this last week, but if at any time that what I preach is not lined up with the Word of God, then you should bail. But if what I preach lines up with the Word of God, then it is incumbent upon you and I, and for me, I, who has a pastor in my life and have others in my life, to listen to and follow the Word of God. And that takes place when we come to the house of God and God's Word is proclaimed. Thirdly, God's people are encouraged and strengthened. We are strengthened when we are together. The Bible says that a, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. What that means is that you can take a one-strand piece of, of twine or whatever, and, and it breaks pretty easy. But when you take three cords and you braid those together it increases the strength not just threefold but manyfold there is a synergy that takes place and when you and I come together we are strengthened while we are together there's something about being with people who are going through the same thing you are or believe what you believe and then when when they're going you're going through a difficult problem it's easy to go man I'm by myself but when you come alongside people they can encourage you they can strengthen you in fact, the prophet Elijah thought that he was by himself. He had seen God do great miracles on Mount Carmel. And then he flees from Jezebel who's out to kill him. He's hiding in a cave and he's all depressed. And he's telling God that he's by himself. And, and God said, I've got 7,000 other prophets that have not bowed their knee to Baal. You're not by yourself. And on that word of encouragement from God that he was not alone, he went on and did all that God was commanding him to do. Hebrews 10, 24, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I'll deal with that last piece, which was verse 25, but when we get together, we stir up one another to love and good works. We are strengthened when we are in fellowship. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, and he himself, speaking of Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. And all of that says that those who are called to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are supposed to equip those who are in the 
excuse to do the work of ministry that we all come together and are strengthened and do the work of ministry. The Bible gives us a significant number of what people refer to as the one another's in Scripture. Where it talks about one another do this or do this for one another. Romans 12, 5, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. That we are not to be isolated Christians. We're not to be just sitting out there by ourselves and hope that we can survive. As the secular saying is, no man is an island. And it is not any more true in the, in the church that none of us are an island unto ourselves, but we need one another. Galatians 6.10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. And when we gather together and we help one another and we work with one another, we are strengthened. We are to do good, first of all, to the household of faith. John 13.35, by this will all know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 25, there, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. So look at your neighbor and tell them, I need you. Don't say it like you mean it, I need you. And if you don't have a neighbor close, just shout it across the aisle, it doesn't matter. But just like you need each other, I need you and you need me. Together we are the body of Christ. We are the family of God. And when we gather together, we are strengthened. I have said this before, maybe not in your hearing, I don't know. But, but I, years ago when I was a campus pastor and dean of students at a Bible college, that I would use this on our midweek service. And that the midweek service was like a pit stop. That if you're into racing, whether it's NASCAR or if it's Formula One, they never run the whole race without stopping in the pit. Getting new tires and getting, getting fuel. And so when we come to church, it should be like that, that when we gather together, it's like a pit stop where we're getting a renewal of energy and a renewal of strength that we can do this, that we can make it through our week, that we can live for Jesus Christ out there because we have one another in here. Fourthly, God's greatness is extolled. We worship and celebrate God's goodness when we come together. We sing songs of worship and we sing songs of praise about how good God is. I referenced Psalm 150 earlier and it says this, Praise the Lord, praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty firmament. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. And praise him with string instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And so when we gather together, we should do that through singing, through praise, through proclamation, that we should extol him and talk about how great he is. We, saw, we sang the song, I Speak Jesus. That's a song of praise that I can speak Jesus into whatever problem I have and whatever thing is going on in my life, and God will show up. That there is power in the name of Jesus. All authority in heaven and earth was given unto Him. There is power in His name. And when we call His name, 
It is in essence we are saying, Lord, we're calling on you because we believe you can do something about my problem. You can do something about what I have wrong in my life and what I need you can do. We lift our hands, we clap our hands as praise unto the Lord. Let me hurry. Fifthly, God's work is accomplished. That when we come together as the body of Christ and, and we come to a worship service or a worship gathering like this, part of what we do is we pray. We pray at the beginning of service and we pray over needs and we pray at the end and and I would encourage you to just pray anytime throughout the service that you want to. But because prayer is made, that means that God is at work. I had a professor in seminary who said this. He says, when we do not pray, we can have no confidence that God will be at work in our situation. But when we pray, the Bible tells us that if we pray according to His will, He hears us. And if He hears us, we have whatsoever we ask of Him. So when we pray according to His Word and according to His will, God will answer. And when we come to church and we pray individually and we pray corporately, God's work is accomplished because He is then working in our lives to bring about whatever you and I need. Sometimes I invite you to the front at the end of a message as a sign of faith or a step of faith to step out and say, God, whatever was being preached or, or whatever I need, I, I want that in my life. I want that to be accomplished in my life. Sometimes you just get to pray where you are. But in any case, the technical term that we use is it is an altar call even if you don't come to the altar area, which goes back some 250 years to Charles Finney. But the point of that is this, is that after the proclamation of the Word of God, that when we pray, and we are asking God to accomplish that Word in us, that His will is being accomplished. And I, and I would tell you this, that, that God can speak to us and at any time he can speak to us any of our prayer time or any of our bible reading time or anywhere that we happen to be and there have been moments where god has done that throughout my life and i by that i don't mean that he was it's an audible voice but that impression of his spirit that i i know what he's calling me to do or instructing me to do but the biggest things in my life have all taken place in church the biggest moments and the biggest life-altering things have all taken place in a gathering of believers. Whether it was the call to preach the gospel. When a guy preaching at the church, my dad pastored, called me up at the end of his message and whispered in my ear and he said, I, I see 
you as a little child dreaming of all the things you would do for God, but when the call came, you walked away. From that moment and that recognition that that's exactly what I had done, that from a child I was always thought about preaching and that I was going to preach the gospel. And when I got to the age where I could do it, I was too afraid to do it. That word from God came at a church service. It came at an altar call. And the call to plant Cross Church and to plant other churches in the Kansas City metropolitan area It took place in a church service. I wasn't just by myself somewhere, but I was in a church service when God spoke to me. And it is at church services where most of the time God works on us and and calls us to a deeper walk with Him. That God's work is accomplished. I'm hurrying, but let me just tell you this. I was raised in a tradition where you went to church three times a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And then back in the day, we would have revivals. And and a revival could be two days, could be three days. Or when I was a kid, I went through some of our revivals that were 11, 12, 14, 16 weeks. Six days a week, give one day off. That's a lot of church. And in our culture, that's probably not ever happening again unless something serious takes place and it forces people to flock to the house of God. But I, in, in St. Louis, I was at one of those churches where it's Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and, and we only have Sunday morning. I'm not going to Sunday night service, okay? Unless you really beg me. (laughs) And we do small group type stuff on Thursday, and we're doing it at the church for now. But but a lot of the churches that we were associated with in St. Louis, they had went to Sunday morning only. And I remember, though, a specific Sunday night, God doing something in the lives of a number of people at our church. And I, and I said to the associate pastor, this is why we have Sunday night. Because he didn't do this Sunday morning, he did it Sunday night. Not that he couldn't do it. But it was another opportunity to be in God's presence and let God work on us individually, although we're in a corporate setting. Then lastly, God's mission is realized. The Great Commission is fulfilled when we gather together and come to the house of God. The Great Commission is a commission to go and tell. So we are to tell others about the gospel. But part of what we do when we tell people about the gospel is we say what the disciples said in the gospels, and that is, come and see. That we tell them, yes, you need to know Jesus, but come and see Jesus. Come and experience Jesus. And we invite them to the house of God. 
And when we do that, God works on people. The majority of people that I have seen saved have unquestionably been at a church service. The people can get saved any number of, of places and they can be born again any number of places, but the vast majority of them come to know Jesus Christ and to come into a saving relationship with Him at a church service. That when we come to God's house, His mission is realized. The church should be a hospital where those who are wounded or sick or hurting can find healing and they can find hope and they can find help. Church should be a place where signs and wonders and miracles take place that, God, that people can experience God's presence and they can experience His power. His mission is realized. So six, there are, I'm sure there are plenty others. God's presence is experienced. God's word is proclaimed. God's people are encouraged and strengthened. God's greatness is extolled. His work is accomplished and his mission is realized. It's not enough to, if I could say it this way, to like church. Because if we like church, we like a lot of things. And when we like church, then we put church on equal footing with many of the other activities that we can do. Many of the other things. I really like to eat. But I'm not going to skip church because there's a good brunch somewhere. Because while I like certain things, I love being in God's house. Because I love to be in God's presence. Growing up, for me, there was the understanding that in my house, that the house that I was raised in, that every time the doors were open, that we were going to be at church. There was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. We were just, we were going to be at church. Most recent statistics in our culture tells us this, is that the average good Christian, and I put it that way, that they're not just Christian on the surveys, but they really claim to be followers of Jesus Christ they go to church 1.6 times per month or 19 times a year and I would tell you that, that God is not a, a God of legalism he's not a God who is looking to judge you or I when we don't show up at church every time the doors are open. But maybe if we could look at it this way, what are we missing when we miss His house? What could, have God, what could God have spoken to us? What could God have done in our lives 
we had taken advantage of the opportunity. So my encouragement to you today is to love God's house. Not because it's some great building. Not because I'm some great speaker or some great singer. But do it because of what God can do in your life when you gather together. That when you hear the proclamation of His Word and when you experience His presence and when you gather together with other believers, you're encouraged and you're strengthened and you have the opportunity to corporately worship Him. You have the opportunity to allow Him to change and transform your life. Hebrews 10, 25 says this. I read it earlier, but not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. And and I tell you, I'm not a doom and gloom preacher by any stretch of the imagination, but when you look at our world and you look at the current events and you look at the agenda of COP26, and you look at the agenda of the World Economic Forum, and when you look at the agenda of the United Nations, we just tell you, you can see Bible prophecy coming into fulfillment. We are closer to the end than we've ever been. That's easy logic to follow. And tomorrow we'll be even closer. But we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as some is. But exhort one another, strengthen one another, encourage one another. And so much the more as we see the day approaching. If you would, stand with me today as I wrap this up. and Anna comes to help me. I have three things that I would like you to commit to doing today. And I I will tell you, I will be transparent as any pastor would be. But I want as many people as possible to be here every service. And to be honest with you, probably makes me feel better the more people are here. But what I've learned is is this, is that oftentimes pastors, of which I am one, want more for people than they want for themselves. And I can't imagine going through life without regularly gathering together with God's people. And I hope you actually like one another. Because if you're really saved, you're going to be spending eternity with the people on your row or across the aisle. You can move out of the house when you get 18, but you're going to live for eternity with some of these people. We need one another. And so commit to attending church faithfully, not just for me, but do it for you and do it for him most of all, to love his house. Secondly, 
I would encourage you to commit to engaging in service. And I know many of you, I know your stories, I, I know your church background. And coming from various religious traditions or even no traditions, some of what we do is a little out of the ordinary or it's a little uncomfortable clapping our hands and lifting our hands and singing out loud. Many of you, you didn't have any opportunities to sing songs that you're growing up at a church. And if you would have been, if you'd have clapped your hands, they would have kicked you out. But all of what we do as we praise God is biblical. And so I, what I would tell you is engage in service. That if I'm singing a verse or Anna singing a verse, or we're singing a chorus together, it's not a solo or a duet, but make it a choir. As you engage in the process of worshiping God together. And thirdly, commit to bringing people with you. Once again, I would tell you that the majority of people who find Jesus, they may run across Him in the marketplace and out in somewhere else, but the majority of people who make a commitment to follow Him and to serve Him do it in a house of worship. So getting people into His presence and allowing God to work on them will result in your friends, your family, your co-workers being saved. Would you close your eyes and would you just lift your voice right now and would you talk to the Lord together? Jesus, we love You. We magnify your name today. God, we're so thankful that we can be here in your presence today, that we can experience you together, that we can worship you, that we can draw strength from you. We're so thankful, Lord, to know who you are. 